right. Good morning, everyone. Great to be with you this morning. If you have a Bible, please turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians 3, verse 1, as we continue in our series verse by verse through the book of Colossians. Uh, today we're doing something a little bit different, and I'm actually going to invite uh, Evan and Matthew, if you guys want to come up here uh, to the front, and yeah, I assume this will work at some point. Uh, yes. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, I've invited a few friends to join me uh, this morning, and we're going to take turns sharing some thoughts on today's text. So we're going to read the text in a minute, uh, and then I'll pose a few questions to sort of guide our time this morning, and then we'll have time at the end for all of us to kind of respond uh, in prayer and worship uh, to, to what's been shared. Uh, but as I was reading this passage in Colossians 3 and uh, sat down to prepare a teaching, I couldn't help uh, but think of Evan Parton. I don't know why, but he was just in my mind, and I was like, I think i got to reach out to Evan and see if he wants to participate in this. So I reached out and asked if he'd be interested in joining me, and he prayed about it, and he said yes, and then he started looking at the passage, and he said, I can't help but thinking about Matthew Crossgree. As I'm reading this passage, and I said, let's invite Matthew to come join us. Uh, and thankfully, as Matthew is reading the passage, no one came to mind, uh, because it could have gotten out of hand uh, really quickly. Um, but anyhow, we're excited to discuss and share some thoughts today out of Colossians 3. We'll start with the verses and then we'll chat. This is Colossians 3 verse 1. Paul says, uh, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank You for the reality of these words, Lord, um, that we get to contemplate and discuss this morning. Uh, and we recognize, Lord, that we could come back to truths like this over and over again. Uh, some of us are maybe new to following Jesus or have yet to commit our lives to Him. Uh, others of us have been following You for decades, Lord. Uh, and yet we can still come back to truths like this and, and be challenged and grow in our understanding. Would you uh, cause these truths to take root in our hearts, Lord, to, to dominate our understanding and begin to color and inform and shape uh, the days of our lives, the moments that we have? Uh, God, life is so short. May we live it uh, in light of these incredible truths, the things that you have made uh, to be true, Lord, that have become true as we've given our lives to you. Uh, these are worth uh, dwelling on, contemplating, sort of building our lives uh, on and around. Show us how to do that today, Lord. Uh, may today be one more step in that journey of discipleship as we're coming alive, coming awake in you. Would you, would you come and touch and wake us up in the power of the Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we will go ahead and get started this morning. Uh, the questions that I'm going to pose uh, to our panel as we work our way through are these. Uh, the first question is, uh, what does it mean? Oh, we do have a slide coming. Uh, what does it mean to have our heart set on heavenly things instead of earthly things? What does that look like? Moment to moment. Uh, question two, uh, what does it mean that our lives are hidden away with Christ in God? And then we'll kind of end our time by asking, hey, what difference does all of this make in our daily living? If this is true, why should tomorrow morning uh, be any different because of it? 
So we'll jump right in with the first question. And Matthew, I'll start with you, kind of in your own words. Uh, what does it mean to have our hearts set on heavenly things instead of earthly things? Um, yeah, so for me, when I think about our hearts, we use this, uh, well, I'm, I'm a, kind of a, a head guy, I guess. Uh, you know, I take things in, I analyze things. And um, analogies are really powerful and, and helpful for me in understanding. So um, there's this theme through the Bible of, of our hearts and our minds. And so I think, you know, I was thinking a lot and, and praying, kind of meditating on, on what does this mean? What can I, what, I don't think it, that um, it's our physical, you know, this organ that's pumping blood, but, but it's compared to that for a reason. Um, and so I was just kind of, thinking, what is that reason? You know, where does this analogy fit? And um, I think we all probably know what our heart generally does is it, uh, it comes and grabs oxygen from our lungs and delivers that to our, our body through our blood, right? And, and the Bible tells us, that it even says that uh, life is in the blood. And so when I was thinking about that, I was like, okay, so what are we delivering to our whole body? It, it comes from our heart. And whatever our heart is connected to, whatever it's pumping that, that deoxygenated, deoxygenated blood to, it's going to pick that up and, and send it out. Sorry, I'm also a science teacher for those of you who don't know. So uh, stick with me here, right? Um, so it just gave me this picture that like whatever we're taking, and we even sang, I think in both of the songs, we talked about um, God giving us our breath, you know, being the, the breath that we breathe in, in our lungs. And and that's where we need to you know, connect to these heavenly things. And so what does that mean, right? With, with every breath we take in, we're sending our blood there to, to pick up what God has for us. And so there's this contrast between the, the kingdoms of earth and, and our, our own desires, our, um, what we would do kind of left to our own nature and what we would seek after and replacing that, you know, putting putting Christ and, and the cross and his, his present kingdom in place of that, right? That, that's where we pump our blood to, to pick up, to fill up uh, with this rich oxygen that, that comes from heavenly things like being marked by grace and peace and forgiveness and, and message of hope and all this. And then that turns around and gets sent to our entire body. Every cell in our body needs this oxygen, right? And... Um, on the other side of that, you, you probably know, we breathe out carbon dioxide. And where does that come from, right? So I'm back to the kind of physical um, body that we live in. Well, carbon dioxide is this natural byproduct of what, what our bodies do. But if we accumulate too much of it, that's, that's poisonous to our own body. So we need to breathe it out constantly. We, need to, we bring that in our, our blood back to our lungs and, and we breathe it out. We get rid of it. And, you know, I, God was just laying that on my heart. That's another piece of this analogy I think fits, that our natural tendencies, you know, speak for myself, my natural tendencies, the things I get uh, caught up in and, and desire after, they, they're poisonous to me, right? If I let them build up and I'm, and I'm focused on that, and so I, again, bring those to my lungs, my spiritual lungs, that is the heavenly things that Colossians speaks about here, and, and just release them, right? Release them over to Christ and exchange them for this rich oxygen of, like I said, grace, peace, 
forgiveness, all these things that, that Christ would have us um, walk, walk after. So that's my uh, science-y analogy uh, sort of take on it. I'll pass it to you. Amen. Evan, any thoughts on that? What does it mean to have our hearts set on heavenly things instead of earthly things? And I'll ask you guys to just hold the mic up closer to your face. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was joking with Matthew a little bit when we were coming back here uh, and just saying how he's a professional teacher, so he's, he's got this. Me, I got, I got to write a, a bit down, so um, uh, I'll read what I wrote here. But when Matt posed this question to me, um, I would say uh, first coming to this question, even before I feel like we can even ask this question, um, we have to ask um, that what it means to have our hearts and minds set on the things above or the stuff of heaven is important to first recognize that that in collaboration with Jesus, in accordance with his energy that works so powerfully in us, our hearts and minds are renovated and transformed to be able uh, to be capable of such a thing in the first place. Possessing the mind of Christ is available to the children of the kingdom. It is a fruit of being grafted into the vine um, and a byproduct of being with him in the first place. So what does it mean then to possess this heart condition uh, and this mindset? First, I believe it is to possess a high view of God and his realm. It is to trust in the goodness of the Father and in his power to act on that goodness. It starts with having belief or confidence in Jesus, but then moves to holding the beliefs of Jesus. This heart posture sees Jesus clearly as the most intelligent man to walk the face of the earth and fully trusts that his way, in contrast to the way of the kingdom of the world, is life to the full. To have our minds set in this reality is to say yes to Jesus's life and his yoke and no to the deceptions that are, quote, what the pagans run after, as Jesus describes in Matthew 6, and no also to the imitations of the world just dressed up in church clothing. There are many parallels between Colossians 3 and Matthew 6, and I thought it was great that Nick sang that song today because I feel like I referenced Matthew 6 like throughout all these, throughout all these questions. So, um, But first, I want to highlight that to have our hearts set on, thing, on heavenly things is to put into practice what Jesus described as the treasure principle. To state simply and directly, your treasure is what you most value and what you hold in highest esteem. And quote, where your treasure is there, your heart is also. The most important commandment of the Judeo-Christian tradition is to treasure God and his realm more than anything else. Um, so in thinking about um, having our, uh, our treasures in heaven or our mindset on things above, um, it is exactly that, is to treasure God and his realm more than anything else. So. That's what came to my mind. Awesome. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I love both of those analogies. As I was reflecting on that, just what does it mean to have a heart set on heavenly things instead of earthly things? I never would have thought of the body analogy, you know, and, and all that stuff. But my, the, the first thing that came to my mind is like all of us think about something, right? Yeah. All the time we're thinking about something. There's probably like twice a day where I like truly zone out and I actually just stare into space and I don't think I'm thinking about anything. That's like two minutes out of my day. All the rest of the day, I'm thinking about something. All of us are like constantly, our minds are constantly oscillating, thinking through things. Uh, why not Jesus and his kingdom? And I think there is this principle that what we focus on with our thoughts 
comes to expand. It comes to bear on our lives. Jesus says, repent because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's like it's right here. It's like ready to burst through the clouds. It, it's, it's available to you. And I think as we turn our hearts, our minds, our attention toward that place, those things come to bear on our lives. Uh, a simple example that we've talked about earlier in Colossians is that uh, in Jesus, you have been given the righteousness of Christ. You don't earn anything. You don't live under a moral code. Jesus, in his death, burial, and resurrection, has given you his righteousness that he had in his earthly life. So we're full of the righteousness of Christ by grace as a gift. But if I don't know that, I'm going to live as if it's not true. Um, and, but if I do know, the more I focus on that, the more, righteous, the more that righteousness actually shines through me. Like it's yours either way in Jesus. But if I take the time to say, no, I'm going to, take, I'm going to focus my heart, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to dwell on the fact that the fullness of Christ's righteousness is in me. Well, the more I dwell on it, the more it actually manifests. The more it comes to, comes to bear on my life. It's the same things with the truths that we're talking about, with all these heavenly things. It, all the stuff that we're going to be talking about, it's all true stuff, but if we never think about it, then, then it doesn't really manifest itself in our lives. But the more we set our minds on it, and the reverse is true, by the way. If you set your minds on your earthly fears and your earthly anxieties, they will grow. They will grow and they will grow and they will grow until they dominate your lives. I won't restate all the statistics on anxiety in our culture right now, but one of the first things you can do is to take your mind off of your anxious thoughts and put them onto heaven. Don't focus on earthly things, focus on heavenly things. Whatever you focus on, it will expand. It will come to dominate your life. So do you want to be dominated by the love, joy, peace, reality, the power of the kingdom of God, or do you want to be just crippled by your fears and anxieties? Well, some of it's rooted in what we're talking about right now. Where, where are you setting your mind? What do you think about? Uh, one, I, one author I read years ago said, your religion is what you think about in your free time. What do you think about as you're going around from place to place? Where, are, where do our minds and hearts naturally gravitate towards? What you think about uh, will come to manifest itself to dominate uh, your life. And so we can choose... Uh, to focus moment by moment to become more aware over time uh, of things like this. What we read this morning, Paul says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's true. If you're here this morning and you've given your life to Jesus, that is true of you. Your life is hidden. You, you have died. Your old self is dead, whether it feels dead or not. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. If we focus on that, we actually get to experience that. It comes to bear on our lives. So I think that's where uh, the whole, like, where is your mind set? Is it set on heavenly realities or is it set on earthly anxieties? Uh, might be a good contrast that we get to kind of uh, walk out day to day. But I'll, I'll let this kind of guide us into our second question. Uh, the scripture said, God has declared, you are dead, your old self is dead. If you've given your life to Jesus, you're a new creation. But this is a very curious phrase. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Even as a new Christian, I read that and thought, that is a very interesting concept. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose that to you guys again. What does it mean kind of in your own words that our lives are hidden away with Christ in God? Matthew, maybe if you want to start again. Sure. Um, so I agree. It was kind of a puzzling thing, right, to figure out what does that mean? Um, our lives are hidden in Christ. And so as I was kind of thinking about this over the last week or two, you know, a lot of different kind of images and thoughts kind of came to mind. But 
the first um, thing that I ultimately just kind of struggled with, I don't know that this is correct, was it, it felt very, um, what was coming to mind was kind of like passive and retreating, like just hiding away, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, well, I, I don't think that's the, the message we're <laughs> trying to get out of this, right? Like, okay, I, I've been saved, I have all this hope, and now I'm just going to uh, retreat from the world. That's clearly, um, in context of the rest of Scripture, not what, uh, what we're taking away from this. But I do think that there's an element of, of solitude, which is um, something that, that Matt's talked about in the past. Um, if you've been with us, I, I don't remember when that was, but you know, months ago it feels like um, finding these times and places to be alone with God, right? Be refreshed, be renewed, and just be connected um, just having your attention set on him, which goes back to having our hearts and minds uh, set on heavenly things, is, is having that time to really connect to, to Jesus and, and, and what it means to, you know, what are these heavenly things? What message did he bring and, and all that? And, and of course, Jesus is our perfect model of this. He would leave his disciples to have this time of, of solitude with the Father. Um, so I think that's, that's, that was one takeaway for me is that we need to kind of build this time uh, of solitude with the Lord and, and be refreshed and renewed in that. Um, but um, there were some kind of multiple meanings or, or different layers that, that God was bringing to my mind as well. And um, probably the most powerful that, that stuck with me, um, this was a, a conversation that, that my wife were ha and I were having about our daughter. Um, some of you know Adeline, she's, she's eight years old now, and, and this, this analogy picture might be more meaningful if you are a, a parent, but I think even if you're not, you'll, you'll hopefully um, understand we're eventually the child in this scenario anyway. Um, we think our daughter is amazing. She's, she's a super great friend, she's really smart, she loves to learn, she's happy, she's joyful and forgiving and gracious and all these things, but she's, not always that with herself. She doesn't remember what we tell her is true about herself. Um, and, and when I remember the first time we had to send her to school, she was gonna be all day with other people and who knows what she's gonna come up against and, and who might tease her and, and she might not know what to do in this situation or whatever. And I just kinda, just a few days ago or a couple weeks ago, we were thinking and I said, I, I just kinda wish that I could kind of hover behind her, I guess like a creepy dad or something, and like <laughs> just kind of whisper those things in, into her ear again. When, when someone is putting her down or making her kind of question who she is or, or what's right, you know? Not, not that I would step in and, and do it for her. I know she's gotta to learn to, to navigate this life herself. But just kind of being that, that steadying voice and, and reassuring her and saying, no, this is true about you. And then when I was, you know, kind of looking through and reading this passage, you know, God just kind of screamed that at me like, I am that for you, right? That's, that's available to all of us. Like, I'm the child in that situation. And, and God wants me to stay hidden in him. And that doesn't mean hidden away from the world where I retreat, but God goes before me and he goes with me. And I can stay rooted in, in his truth, in his reality, in his kingdom everywhere I walk. So when I um, doubt that I can 
do things that he's called me to do, when I um, you know, let regret or shame or anything else kind of build up, all I need to do is listen. Listen to that voice that's, that's nudging me, that's, that's reminding me. Um, and so that was a really powerful picture for me. I've, I've, you know, God has taught me a lot over the last eight years. All the, the imagery of being a family and God being our father was always meaningful for me. Um, but when I became a father, it just came alive to a whole new level. Um, so that's, that's ultimately, I think, what I took away from being, you know, our lives being hidden in Christ is it's, it's not like I have to go to a place, I have to retreat. You know, there's some of that. And there's that, that good solitude piece we need to do. But just remaining in him and, 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 and hearing his voice, you know, everywhere that we go. So. Yeah, so my uh, my thoughts were actually pretty similar to Matthew's in that in that in that stance as far as just our standing. And uh, as you were talking, I thought of um, I think it's uh, one of the Psalms of David. He uses the expression of uh, how the Lord, how Yahweh hems us in. And so that came to my mind kind of when you were talking about uh, being hidden away with Him. But uh, what I had written down was um, just that we had discussed having our hearts on heavenly things. Uh, and that is to possess a full and accurate view of who God is and what his realm and effective will is all about. And then what it means that our lives are hidden away with Christ is to contextualize who we are because of him. It is to first start with what is true of him and then to shift to view what is then true of us. Uh, so to first summarize what is true of him, it is to clearly see that he is the sufficiently good father who knows our needs before we even ask him, and who knows at each moment the number of hair on our head and who is capable of then meeting our every need. It is then to see Jesus as the fully sufficient one, as the one who each of us live and move and have our being, and as Tracy taught just a couple weeks ago, is the head over every power and authority. From this reality, we confidently see our life on the rock. To be hidden away with Christ as he sits in his place of authority is to live fully in our, in our new identity as untouchable children of the kingdom. Paul uses different language in several different places, and I just want to highlight a few of those places. First, in Ephesians 1 and 2, he says, quote, He has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ, according to his good pleasure, and God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Later in Galatians 4, he says, If you belong to Christ, then you are heirs, and in this context, heirs of the entire estate. You have received your full rights as children, and he has sent his spirit of his son into our hearts, so that you are no longer a slave, but you are a child. And since you are now a child, he has made you an heir. Robin Zait says it this way, if God is for us, then what can stand against us? What can bring a charge against us, condemn us, separate us? I am fully convinced that nothing can separate us from our standing with him. So similar to Matthew, my framework goes, we start um, as setting our minds on things above is to have this really high view of God and who he is. And then to have our lives hidden away with him, a shift and goes, okay, if that's true of him, then what's true of us because of what he has done. So, yeah. Awesome. 
Yeah, it's, it's really interesting that I thought of some of those same verses. And I think for me, this concept speaks really powerfully to these questions, these deep questions we ask as human beings, which is like, who am I? Like, really, who am I? And in a weird way, this sort of speaks to the question of like, where am I? It's like a spiritual like positioning question. Who am I gets answered through the gospel, but also like in, a, in an odd way, where am I? Uh, and Matthew, as you were talking, I couldn't help but, this is gonna sound maybe nerdy or something, but I couldn't help thinking about the Matrix uh, and how like in the world of the Matrix, like their true selves are actually like in one place and then there's this like projection of themselves in the Matrix world. If you haven't seen the movie, I'm so sorry. Um, but there's like, no, the true, you know, Neo or whatever is here in a room seated in this like ship somewhere else in another world and then there's this like projection that feels like reality that he's in um and when i read a verse like this i can't help thinking that way that like no 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 what he just read from Ephesians says you are right now seated with christ in the heavenly realms so i can look around the room and say karen richard kellen no matthew you guys are seated with christ in the heavenly realms right now that's actually the deepest truest part of who you are is already there with christ is already hidden away in him and then, it, this is how I think of it, is there's almost like this projection, like now I'm experiencing this life, but you can strip everything from me. You can destroy this physical body. It's okay. Like the truest, deepest part of me is actually with Christ, is actually there. Um, and and as, as sort of logically minded, scientifically minded sort of Westerners, I, my, my sense is that the Eastern church has an easier time celebrating and understanding these things than we do. Because we're just like, oh, it, everything's very boxy and logical and, and the flow chart for us. And we're like, no, 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 I'm here. I can, you know, no, this is me. And he's like, no, 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 you, you're, you're already seated with Christ. The deepest, truest part of you is already there. There's sort of this element of, of mystery, or I would almost say mysticism uh, to it. And so I was, as I was meditating on that, I wrote down this, this quote from Frank Laubach. He said, to embrace Christ brings mystery, to reject him brings despair. And that's sort of this fork in the road for humanity, right? Like we either embrace him and be like, I don't totally get that. Like my Western mind's kind of bumping up against the edge of, of the way I think, but I'm either gonna embrace Christ with the mystery, with the mysticism, or I have to go the other way. I have to reject him. I have to reject what's true. That's true. This is true of you if you've given your life to Jesus. Right now, you, the, the deepest part of you is already hidden away. So we have to decide sort of at these forks in the road, like either I'm going to embrace the mystery, almost the mysticism of what's true in the gospel and Jesus, or I have to reject that. But if I reject it and go for something that's easier to grasp, with it comes despair. To reject Jesus, to reject reality, as fantastic as it is, actually then brings us into a place of despair. Uh, and so I think that these really do affect the way that we live. How do we relate to these truths? Do we grasp them, focus our minds on them, celebrate them, uh, or, or do we reject them? That'll actually make a difference in our quality of life. It'll actually make a difference in how we see ourselves and in one another. And so I'll allow that to kind of transition us to our third and final question, uh, which is, uh, what, does, what does all of this, uh, how does all of this actually affect the way that we live? How, do, how does this, uh, what difference does this make on a Monday morning? So maybe briefly as we close, if you can just help us connect the dots. These things are true, but how does it, how does it actually change our lives? Yeah, so we've talked about, you know, kind of a lot here and trying to kind of wrap it up. One of the, the things, I'll, I'll bring back something Matt said that 
that what you, what you think about, what you bring your attention to, that will grow in your life. That will, it's, it's this positive feedback loop that it gets bigger and bigger um, in, in your mind, in your heart, and, and that sort of thing. And so I think um, one of the biggest takeaways for me when I was thinking back on that first question, what does it mean to have uh, our heart set on heavenly things, was you know, our, our heart, I think, represents our, our emotions. I think that's probably the first thing that I think of anyway. But I think it's bigger than that. It's, it's our affections. It's our devotion. So I've, for much of my, my Christian life, I've, um, I haven't really tackled things on that level. I've sort of gone to battle against temptation and against sin. And, and, and then I, I wonder why I'm so exhausted by it. And it's like, well, because I, I still think that those things of the world are great and, and good for me and, and what I want, but ah, the Bible says I can't do them, you know? <laughs> and, and, it's, and so it's this, this fight against what I think what seems so good. And, and I think that the big challenge, the big takeaway for me from all of this, the difference that it makes is my, my heart is set on those earthly things, right? Which to, to kind of admit that to myself, admit that out loud is, it, it feels like pretty sad, like, oh. That's not what I want, right? And so it's, it's this change, this, instead of trying to, to battle against temptation, to push it back and, and say, well, those, those, those great, cool, awesome things are off limits to me, it's how much greater is the kingdom? How much greater are these heavenly things? And, and turning my affection and attention to Christ. And even if I don't know, maybe you're sitting there just thinking like, well, I don't know what those heavenly things are. How do I do that, right? This, this practical application piece is difficult with all this imagery and, and these verses and things, but just start with what you know, right? Just that little bit of, of, of truth that I know that, that Jesus loves me, that, that he died for me, that he saved me, and start with that and turn my, my affection, my attention to that, and it will grow, right? And, and as you continue to press into the word and, and oh, God revealed this new little nugget to me or whatever, and, and, and I hide that away, and, and I treasure that, and I pull it in, and, and it's, it's this process, right? It's not like an immediate switch. It's not some, you know, at least typically, I don't think that's how it works for us. It's, a, it's this daily thing. Maybe it starts with just a simple prayer in the morning, right? Lord, set my attention on, on you and your kingdom as it's here. You know, something as simple as that and, and let it grow within you as your attention and your affection and your devotion uh, continues to grow in that. So that would be my encouragement. Awesome. Yeah, I'd say as, as we kind of think about um, who he is and his reality and then who we are in that context and then, then what kind of ramifications does that make in daily life, I would say as a brief caveat, um, I would say that this means that no stone is unturned um, and that nothing is untouched in our daily life uh, if we fully possess these realities that Matthew just talked about and that we've been talking about today, detailed by Paul. It is to see um, life in this world as Jesus saw it. Uh, for the sake of this conversation, uh, I would say um, that the difference that this makes in daily life is that we no longer need to seek security outside of the kingdom. Um, so as I was thinking about this this week, two specific uh, topics came to mind in this new reality. Uh, topic number one is worry. 
Jesus emphatically states, do not worry. And Paul got it too. He says, do not be anxious about anything. Uh, we have spoken what it means to have our lives hidden away with Christ. And as Paul states, this is our very strong reason for why we can and should have our hearts and minds set on things of God in his kingdom. Jesus spoke very similarly in Matthew 6. He says, if, you're, if your father knows your needs and if he is capable of meeting those needs, and then you are freed up to no longer store up treasures on earth, um, to which Jesus also reminds us is illogical since moth and rust and thief can destroy. Um, but you also are freed up to no longer fret about the daily necessities of life. Um, why? Because the Father knows what you need before you even ask. He also cares for you um, and assures us that all this stuff of life will be taken care of when we treasure God in his realm more than anything else. As Jesus humorously also points out, uh, why do you fret and get anxious anyway? Who of you can accomplish anything like adding an inch to your height or a day to your life by worrying? Worry is the inevitable product of placing our highest values on or treasuring in things that are destined to let us down. Our God does not let us down and he is faithful. He is good and he is always at work for what is in our best interest. We can rest on him. Awesome. Uh, actually, I have one, other. Yeah. one other thing, sorry. Yeah. I thought I was done, but I wasn't done. I remember I, I promised two topics, that was only one. Topic number two is the preoccupation with reputation. As Jesus describes in Matthew 6, uh, it is living life and doing all that we do for the sake of being seen by others. It is what Paul describes in Colossians 3 later on as eye service, or said another way, being slave to the eyes of others. This is the air we breathe in our culture at large, is it not? It is the same heart posture as described above with worry. We seek security outside of the kingdom. We, as children who are heirs of the estate, with lives hidden away with Christ and possessors of the mind of Christ, are freed up to no longer seek security from others. We see reality as our Father sees it. He sees what is done in secret, as Jesus says in Matthew 6, and he is the only audience we desire. As Paul goes on to describe later in chapter 3, we do all we do as if we're doing it for the king, not for man. Later he declares, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So no longer enslave yourself to the world's rules and regulations. We no longer play the game of comparison and competition, but walk as the freed up ones, able to reconcile and transform the world around us. In this way, with our concern for the eyes of God alone, Knowing we need no security or approval from anyone else, we can truly be as Jesus taught. Quote, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before men that they may see you, but praise your Father in the heavens. Hmm. That, that was the end of it. Awesome. Very cool. So good. Uh, well, my thoughts for question three were same, same stuff that you guys were talking about. I think what we focus on in our minds tends to grow and dominate our lives, tends to shape and define us. Uh, I think there's a matter of identity in here. Like we see in the world around us, like if you believe you are a highly evolved animal uh, that has a driver's license and can like feel pleasure or pain and that's it, it will affect 
every single area of your life, all your relationships, all of your attitudes, everything will be shaped by that belief about who you are. But when our mind's set on heavenly things and we're rooted in this identity, no, I'm a child of God, I'm actually already seated with Christ. Like this world and everything in it is passing away. I'm already seated there. Like it's, it's like from here, it's just gonna get better and better and better as we go into the age to come. So I think there's this, where do you focus your thoughts? I think there's this issue of identity. I love that you said security because I wrote down that word as well. Like I'm totally secure. Everything in this life can be stripped from me. My house can burn down. My family can die. Like my eye can die. Like everything can be stripped from me. And it's like, you can't, you can't get at me. You can't get at the real me because I'm already seated with Christ. So there's this like security there that I'm not like lost and wandering in this world trying to like earn my way into the future kingdom of heaven. I'm already with him. I'm already hidden away in him. Um, and whatever happens in this life is gonna happen. And then the last thing that I wrote down that you hit on was temptation. And I think this is something like a daily thing that we can put into practice is that when temptation hits, and oftentimes it'll hit us hard, we're all probably in the room tempted by slightly different things, but we all get tempted by stuff. And what I've found in those moments of temptation is that it's not worth like gritting my teeth or like threatening myself or like fear of punishment or any of that. Actually, what frees me, what breaks the power of temptation is realizing I already have the righteousness of Christ. Like, just focus on that. In that moment of temptation, oh, I'm so tempted to click on that. I'm so tempted to watch that, to say that, to do this, to gossip about this person. Say, wait a second. I already have the righteousness of Christ. Like, it's already mine. It's already in me. And I'm already seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Like, right now, I'm seated with him. My life, the truest, deepest part of of me is hidden away with him. And just start, like, shifting your mind to those heavenly realities and watch what happens to that temptation. Because instantly you realize, whoa, whoa, whoa. If I'm seated with Christ, this, and that's where I am, I'm, I'm gonna live out of that place. This thing doesn't make sense. Like, it's, it's just filthy rags compared to what I have right now and, and where I'm seated and who I'm with and just something in it. Just try it this week, uh, the next time that you're tempted. Just stopping and saying, just reminding yourself, focusing on heavenly things. I already have the righteousness of Christ. My life is hidden away in Him. I'm already seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. And just see, as an experiment this week, what happens to the power of temptation. Because you feel like, oh man, it has this draw and this pull and this undertow, and you're gonna get sucked in. You, you make a stand on what's true and watch that power be broken uh, as, it, as it happens. And I think trials is, is similar. Uh, as you face trials, we're not all facing trials every week with the regularity that we would face temptation. But as we face trials, remember, whoa, everything I have here is going to fade, but the truest, deepest part of me is, is seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Um, and I think that helps us. It gives us this core, this center to live out of uh, that allows us to weather storms in a way that uh, a secular man or woman would not be able to. Uh, so those are my thoughts. Any final thoughts before we close in prayer? Awesome. Maybe we could clap for these guys for sharing today. Um, that was awesome. Thanks so much for sharing. Um, Evan, you're holding the mic, so maybe you could close us in prayer and, and just kind of pray, pray for an awareness of these realities over our life uh, as, as the worship team is coming up. Lord Jesus, we are thankful for um, just the opportunity that we can gather as your children collectively, that we can, uh, as we spoke about a few weeks ago, encourage and build one another up. 
And uh, we are thankful for your uh, spirit, as you say, that encourages our hearts. Um, and we are thankful that we can simply uh, look upon you and the realities that are uh, true of you to simply be the encouragement uh, that our hearts heart needs, but also in the midst of that to um, take a step back and to look at uh, ourselves, to look at our brothers and sisters and just recognize like, whoa, that changes um, that changes what's true of us, that changes my reality, that changes my, as Matt said, my Monday morning. And so Jesus, we ask that you by your spirit would, um, as the writer in Hebrews states, that you would fix our eyes on these things, um, that we would see you, Jesus, as the one who went before us and who did it completely and wholly and perfectly, and that we would see that uh, you have not abandoned us to do it on our own, that you are willing to walk with us and that you call us next to your side, and that we are hidden with you, that you, uh, that you hem us in on all sides, and um, that we are... Um, your uh, untouchable children of the light. And so uh, we give you thanks for that um, reality that you have now ushered us into. We thank you for our new identity and that you uh, would set our hearts on uh, such matters. Amen. Amen. We're going to take some time to worship together. Uh, as we do, I'm, I'm hoping God expands our view of who he is. But I'd kind of challenge you as you're worshiping, try to see yourself there seated with him, hidden away in Christ. I think that's going to stir our worship this morning. Let's worship. 